You know, there are some folks, and, and um, they'll chuckle if uh, they hear of someone seeing a UFO. And we kind of go, really? And there are others, and they'll, they'll talk about uh, spottings of, of Elvis in Las Vegas someplace, and we'll go, yeah, right. But there's one thing that we can be sure of, and it's this, that Jesus Christ has been spotted in the Old Testament. And we're going to take a look at some, some close encounters here with the Son of God. I, uh, I want to help you spot him as you read your Bible, because some of you at this time of the year are just starting to do it, and I think this will be a blessing to you. The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. We're going to be talking about angels today, and if you look behind me, Hebrews 13, 2 says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. What's this talking about here? Well, there are some folks who think it's probably talking about when some angels made a visit to Lot, and Lot was living in Sodom, and he entertained them. There are others who think it might be making reference to when an angel showed up and and spoke with Gideon, and Gideon entertained that angel. But have you ever thought of maybe this talking about Jesus Christ and Christ in the Old Testament. We've talked about God's angels. We've talked about fallen angels. But we're going to be talking today about the angel of the Lord. And you'll want to follow along carefully. Jesus Christ is often the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, but he's, he's no ordinary angel. In fact, the word angel means messenger in the Bible, and, and we could say he's the messenger of the Lord. But if you understand who Christ is and what the Bible teaches, you know that Jesus Christ actually created the angels. The Bible tells us that all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So let's take our Bibles now and turn to John chapter 8. We're going to be talking about angels, but not the good or the fallen angels, but the angel of the Lord. And I want to show you, I want to prove to you from God's Word that Jesus Christ existed before His birth in Bethlehem, that we find Him here in the Old Testament, and uh, He makes these cameo appearances, we might say. You know, there are some folks, and and, uh, they'll chuckle if uh, they hear of someone seeing a UFO. And we kind of go, really? And there are others, and they'll, they'll talk about uh, spottings of, of Elvis in Las Vegas someplace, and we'll go, yeah, right. But there's one thing that we can be sure of, and it's this, that Jesus Christ has been spotted in the Old Testament. And we're going to take a look at some, some close encounters here with the Son of God. I, uh, I want to help you spot him as you read your Bible, because some of you at this time of the year are just starting to do it, and I think this will be a blessing to you. By way of background, there's, there's right around 330 or 333 Old Testament prophecies about Jesus Christ. And of course, they spoke of his, his coming and his, his birth in, in Bethlehem around 0 AD. And, and some of those even are future. They're out there yet to happen. And they speak of his second coming. But I, I want to take you back in your mind's eye about 2,000 years before the time of Christ. And there was a man by the name of Abraham that walked the earth. Actually, his life overlapped a little bit 
with Noah. As Noah was fading off the scene, Ham, Abraham was coming on the scene. And uh, we find here that Jesus Christ now is making reference to Abraham here in John chapter 8. We'll pick it up in verse number 56. Jesus said, your father Abraham, he's talking to the Jews, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto him, or unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Jesus Christ makes a statement here in verse 56. He said, I remember Abraham. Abraham saw my day. Abraham saw me. I saw Abraham. And that confused the Jews. Abraham was a hero to the Jewish people. He would be that that brightest star in the Hebrew heaven because he's somewhat the founder of the Jewish race. And so they said, you're not even 50. And he wasn't. He might have been roughly 30, something like that. But we find here in verse 58, Christ makes quite a comment. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus Christ picked a very common man and really one that every Jew knew. He, he made reference here to Abraham. And again, Abraham existed about 2,000 years prior to this. And so Christ is saying, I was there. I've been around for thousands of years. But actually, you can go back further than that. You can go back to eternity past. You can go back to when there was no time or or no space, and you find God. You find the triune God. You find the Trinity way back yonder. But then, several thousand years ago, there was a time when the universe was formed. Not only was Jesus Christ there, but it was his handiwork. He was the one who created it. We read in Colossians 1.16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Think about how great this one is. it's It's a shame, it's a crime to compare him with anyone else who's ever walked this earth. This is Jesus Christ and all things were created by him. All things were created for him. You see, in John 1 and in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, speaking of Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's nearly two years ago, uh, but I was in the Holy Land, and they were showing us around the temple, and they've done some digs and excavations there that are more recent. And they showed us one of the main entrances into the temple. And it wasn't that wide. And they said, this is where most people would have come into the temple. And there's still cobblestone kind of steps down there or, or, or walkway. And I thought to myself, surely the creator of the universe walked across this at one time. And I, I kind of zigzagged back and forth trying to, to cover every stone I could, thinking I'm walking in the shadow of the Son of God, who at one time walked this earth. And it, it was an amazing thing. But we find out here that Jesus Christ, the creator, was there in the beginning as God. There's a, an Arian heresy that says that Jesus Christ was created at, at a particular time. And I say to that, pass the bread, the baloney's already been around. Jesus Christ has always existed. Now, we want to add to that something here, line upon line. 
John 1.18 says, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son hath declared him. No man hath seen God at any time. Jesus Christ declared him. And the Greek word there, it speaks of an unfolding and a revealing. It might be like a tapestry that's kind of bound up and somebody unfolds it and reveals it. And the Bible tells us that nobody's seen God the Father. But if you're going to see God, and by the way, this goes for heaven as well. If you're going to see God in heaven, you're going to see Jesus Christ. We find the Bible tells us in Colossians 2, 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus Christ manifests God bodily, visually. Now, in the Bible, we find that God conveys messages to man in several ways. And I appreciate this. He cares about us. He wants an intimate relationship with us. And as you study the Bible, you find several ways that he conveys messages to mankind. Sometimes in the Old Testament, it was dreams. And you can think of guys like uh, Joseph having dreams and God getting a message to him. Uh, You can think of even lost guys like Pharaoh uh, getting a dream and God has a message for him. Or even Nebuchadnezzar and God has a message for him. Sometimes in the Bible, it's, it's visions. Daniel got visions, didn't he? Ezekiel uh, got visions. Uh, Philip got visions. And John definitely got visions when he wrote the, the Revelation. Sometimes God conveys his message in um, a still small voice. Elijah heard a still small voice. I think Philip heard a still small voice when he ran up to that eunuch. God told him to do that. And so there's ways that God gets messages to mankind. But here's the interesting part. There are times in the Old Testament when God himself makes a visit to give to mankind a message. We call that a theophany. It's a big word, but you see the word theo in there, or, or word that, that means God in the Greek theology, and often he means a, an appearance of, so it's called a theophany, or it's called a Christophany. And you see the name Christ in there. It's talking about an appearance of Christ, an Old Testament appearance of Christ. And and generically, sometimes they're referred to as epiphanies in the Bible. But often when you see this expression in the Old Testament, let the antenna go up. And if you're reading your Bible through right now, it's a good time to know this. When you see the expression, the angel of the Lord in the Bible, pay especially close attention. Now, it can be confusing sometimes. It's not always speaking of Jesus Christ, but there's a tip-off. And I think if you look for those little tip-offs, you'll know, hey, this is one of those. This is Jesus Christ. You'll see the the name LORD there, all in caps, L-O-R-D, where in the Bible that means Jehovah. It's got to be God. You'll see worship taking place of this angel, the Lord, and you know it can't be any ordinary angel. You'll see also some words from the mouth of this messenger of the Lord, this angel of the Lord, that have got to be spoken by nobody but God. Now, we find a few chapters earlier here in John chapter 5. Just turn back there if you would. The uh, Jews are giving Christ a hard time, and uh, they're poo-pooing everything he's, he's saying here. And uh, you find that, that uh, Jesus has something to tell the naysayers in verse 39. He says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. He says, search the scriptures, you'll find me. So let's do that. Let's start at the beginning. Let's go back to Genesis. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. 
We find that Adam and Eve have taken, they've eaten of that forbidden fruit. They've introduced sin and and curse and uh, all that into the human race. And God shows up in Genesis 3 and in verse 8 it says, They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, there's some dispute on what this is really referring to. And as you read through the commentaries, you'll find two trains of thoughts here. There are some who feel, well, it was just the voice of God in that garden that day talking to Adam and Eve. But there are others who say, no, no, it mentions that God walked in the garden. And it looks more like as he was walking, he called out to them saying, Adam, where art thou? And that kind of thing. And, and so this could be what we would call the very first appearance of God. Notice the L-O-R-D all in caps there making an Old Testament appearance, and if in Christ all the fullness of the Godhead is manifested bodily, it would have to be Christ, if indeed this is a visible, physical appearance of God in the Old Testament. But let's stay in Genesis. Turn to Genesis chapter 16, and we have some lengthier passages here that we'll need to read together. Here in Genesis chapter 16, you find uh, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, unable to bear a child. And so Abraham takes Hagar, his handmaid, and gives her to, uh, to, to Abraham, uh, and she conceives by him. And she gets an attitude, and she's kind of uh, snooty uh, to her, her uh, boss, if you will, Sarah, and so she gets the boot. And we pick it up in Genesis 16, and in verse number 6, it said, but Abram said unto Sarah, or Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she, Hagar, fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the uh, fountain in the way of Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's handmaid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. And he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me, for she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? She infers here, at least implies, that this wasn't some voice, but this was some man or or angel or the angel of Jehovah, physically, and would have to imply that it's Christ making an Old Testament appearance. But then you get to chapter 17. In verse 1 it says, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with me, uh, with thee, and so on. Notice those words, God talked with him. We find out that the Lord, notice in verse 1, L-O-R-D, Jehovah, appeared to Abraham, identified himself as God Almighty, 
and then talked with him. Elohim, God talked with him. This is definitely a visible appearance of God in the Old Testament. It has to be Christ. You know, by this point, it had happened a couple times. And remember our text in John chapter 8 and verse 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. This could be what he's referring to here. I knew Abraham. Well, then you get over to chapter 18. And in verse number 1, it says, And the Jehovah, L-O-R in caps, the uh, appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. So at this point, it tells us the Lord, in verse 1, appeared. So this is a visible appearance, apparently, to, uh, to uh, Abraham here. And we find out here that it's actually three men, according to verse number 2. One of them you're going to find out is God. The other two are angels. Well, uh, God here has this conversation. Jesus has this conversation with Abraham, says, you're going to have a baby now with Sarah. Sarah chuckles about that. And uh, in verse number 13, and the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, surely, or shall I of a surety bear a child? which am old. Notice L-O-R-D, he's talking now visibly, physically present there with Abraham. Here's Jehovah, one of the men. Now, let's look carefully in verses 16 through 22. And the men, this is two of the men, God stayed behind, Christ stayed there, but the, the angels, the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, now here's God talking to himself, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence. They take off. The two angels head towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and they went towards Sodom. But notice, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. If we're to read on, we find out the conversation deals with Abraham trying to bargain with God not to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. It's kind of like a, an auction, and Abraham's the auctioneer, and he's trying to get God down to a number uh, of righteous people, quote-unquote, in Sodom so that God doesn't judge it. But this conversation takes place between Jesus Christ, in him is manifest all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and Abraham himself. And it's no wonder Christ said, I saw Abraham's day. I was there. I knew Abraham. Well, look in chapter 32. We'll pass some years and find here now the grandson of Abraham. His name is Jacob. He's had a little run-in with his brother Esau. They've been apart for some years. And now they're coming back together again. And and, uh, Jacob's sweating bullets. It's not an encounter he wants to have. Because it wasn't good the last time he saw his brother Esau. And so he, uh, he kind of sends his family on ahead, and he starts praying like crazy. And we find out somebody shows up. 
in Genesis chapter 32, we pick it up in verse number 23. It says, And he took them, his family, and sent them over the brook, and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow, this is the angel, touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, this is the angel, let me go for the day breaketh. And he, Jacob, said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, this angel, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he, the angel or the messenger, said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Penuel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. He realized then who he was wrestling with, God or Jesus Christ, because in him it dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. No man has seen God at any time. If this is God, it's got to be Jesus Christ, if you follow me. About 12 or 1300 years later, the prophet Hosea had something to say about that wrestling match. In Hosea 12 and in verse 4, he said, Yea, he, Jacob, had power over the angel or the messenger and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us, even the Lord God of hosts. This was no ordinary angel wrestling with Jacob here. It was the Lord God, Jehovah Elohim himself. It was Jesus Christ. So we find Christ there with Adam, perhaps, definitely with Abraham, definitely with, with, with Jacob. But the next Jewish hero would have to be Moses. And by way of background, Moses has killed somebody. He's gone out there now in the desert. He's tending sheep for 40 years. He's 80 years of age now. And guess who shows up at the burning bush? We read in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2, And the angel of the Jehovah appeared unto him, Moses, in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Notice the word appeared. This is apparently a physical appearance, and we know it's Jesus Christ because he says, take off your shoes. This ground is holy. Why? Because this wasn't any ordinary angel. This was God. This was Jesus Christ himself. Well, time marched on about 40 years to be exact, and now Moses is handing off the baton to uh, Joshua. (laughs) Turn to Joshua chapter 5, and this is where Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, or just before. You know, back in, in 1986, we got to go see the ruins of ancient Jericho. There's a modern Jericho now, and it's built just a stone's throw away from the old Jericho, but there was a curse on the city when it was destroyed by the Jews and Joshua, and the vow was it would never be built again, and it never was built again. It's, it's perhaps the oldest, the ruins of the oldest city in the whole world. Back in 1950, Kathleen Kenyon, a, a British gal, did a dig there and, and did a lot of excavating there. And, and everything lined up with the Bible except the date, so she said. She thought it would be about 1550 B.C. when it was conquered, and, and that would have had to have been the Egyptians, not the Jews. 
And so she was kind of discouraged. But John Gerstang, another uh, archaeologist, did a dig later on, and he said, no, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the runes here show that this goes back to 1400 B.C., and it's definitely a, a city that was destroyed at the hands of the Jewish people. In fact, I got a map of it here. Uh, if you look on the overhead, um, it's about nine acres, and it's not that big. So it's a city that would have held several thousand people because the, the walls were stacked with, with uh, residents there. And if the outlying villages had come there per, for protection when the Jews were there, it had been about several thousand people that were there. To give you some idea about what nine acres is, the church property here is 8.8 acres. It's almost identical to the size of our parking lot and building, so it's not that big. And this is looking toward the south, and it's a little bigger on the north side. They found that uh, there was plenty of grain and pitchers there, and so they had just taken in the harvest, lines up with the Bible. There was a spring in there, so it was spring-fed. They had a water supply. It was an impregnable fortress, and, and, and I'm sure they're on the wall going, na 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 you're not going to come in here. And all indications were they weren't. We find that Rahab lived on the city wall, and of course this, the account uh, in the Bible tells us that the walls came a tumbling down, if you will, but yet the spies go up into her house and they get her. But she lived on the wall and the thread was hanging out the window. How's that figure? Well, the archaeologists found there was a slight section of wall on the north side that didn't come down. Isn't that amazing to us? And they also found it would have been the poorest part of the city where the peasants lived. Well, that would have been probably where a harlot would have lived at that time. It, it was also the area that would have headed the spies back to where they needed to get into the hills, to go and to hide from those who were pursuing after them. And, and, and so everything really fits. But in 97, they reexamined the ruins, and they determined that there was an outer level or outer layer of mud packed against the brick that actually would have given way and made a ramp right up into the city because the Bible says they made their way right up into the city and they took the city there. Well, they also found about uh, three feet of ash, uh, a layer where the, the city had been burned, as the Bible tells us, and, and all this stuff. And so here it is before in, in, in the Bible in, in Joshua 5, before Joshua can get into it. And he's looking up at this thing wondering, how in the world are we going to get in there when somebody shows up? In Joshua 5 and in verse 13, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lift up his eyes and looked, and behold, there came a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Does this sound familiar? It sounds like Jesus Christ showed up. We call him the captain of the Lord's host. And he didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. And he, he came to tell Joshua, this is how you're going to take the city. And he gave him this very unorthodox battle plan. But we find Christ again spotted in the Old Testament. Look in Judges, if you would. In Judges chapter 6, just going fast forward from there. We find during the period of the Judges that it was a, a time in 
Israel's history where there was a cycle that kept repeating itself of the Jewish people acting up, God judging them, they repented, and then God sent a deliverer. And you got like a dozen judges that just kept coming along. And we find here Gideon in Judges chapter 6 gets an appearance from Jesus Christ. In verse number 12, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, Gideon, and said unto him, The Lord, the Jehovah, is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord, that is Jehovah, notice this, looked upon him. So God's there in person now, not any old angel of the Lord, but Jesus Christ, the messenger of Jehovah. And he said, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Jehovah said, surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And sure enough, They did. We find Christ again making an appearance here in the Old Testament. We could look in Judges 13, we won't to save time, but we find around the birth of Samson, his parents, his father Manoah and his mother, get this appearance from an angel, and he won't tell them his name. And then he ascends up in this flame to heaven, and it's kind of like, ah, we've seen God, we're going to die. His wife said, no, we're not going to die. We've got to have this baby and do what, and do what, what he said and all that kind of thing. But quite likely, there's other appearances as well. Uh, when, when, when Balaam was, was greedily trying to go get something from Balak, his donkey kept taking him out of the way because there was this angel of the Lord standing in front of him. Could have well been Christ. Uh, could have well been Christ to rebuke the 12 tribes for not conquering the land of, Is, uh, of uh, Canaanites when they got there. It could have well been Christ who met Elijah in the wilderness and fed him there. It could have well been Christ that uh, killed all those Assyrian soldiers, 185,000 of them. It could have been Christ that subdued that lion uh, when Daniel was in the den, another angel of the Lord. By the way, the psalmist spoke much about the angel of the Lord. But speaking of Daniel... We find an incident takes place in Daniel chapter 3 when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the fiery furnace. Watch what happens. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Could this have been another appearance of Jesus Christ? Now, we get the point. What is it that sets Christ apart from all angels or all messengers? Well, I know this. I know that it's taboo for any man to receive worship. I know it's taboo for any angel to receive worship. In fact, Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 4 and verse 8, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And we find examples in the Bible of guys like Cornelius trying to worship Peter, and Peter picking him up and saying, Don't do that. And we find in the book of the Revelation, John, 
getting overwhelmed by all the visions he's, he's getting from these angels. And we read in Revelation 19.10, John says, And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant. Worship God. And so we know that an ordinary angel does not receive worship. In fact, John did it again three chapters later. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard and I had seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. Worship God. And we could say, Come on, John, didn't you learn the lesson the first time around? But hey, if we were seeing what John saw, I'm sure we'd be overwhelmed as well, and we'd be on our face as well. But Jesus was no ordinary angel, no ordinary messenger, because he received worship. It's unmistakable. In fact, during his earthly ministry, they're worshiping him as a baby. There's uh, lepers worshiping him. There is the ruler Jairus uh, worshiping him. There's a Syrophoenician woman worshiping him. The demoniac worshiped him. We find Christ walking on the water and calming the sea, and afterwards the disciples are worshiping him. We find the man healed of his blindness in John 9 worshiping Jesus. We find him held by his feet after the resurrection by his followers being worshiped. We find Thomas saying after the the resurrection, my Lord and my God, and worshiping him. And Christ never rebuked any of them for that. He never said, don't do that. Why? Because he was God. He was no ordinary angel, no ordinary messenger. And throughout the Old Testament, we find him receiving that worship. So the conclusion is, there are times when the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament could only be Jesus Christ. The visible representative of God. And the tip-off, really, of the Christophanies in the Old Testament are, we find that angel of the Lord being worshipped or able to do unusual miracles that only God could do, or the the people that he showed up to thinking, I'm going to die because I've seen God, or having attributes that only God could have. You know, I, I think it's heartwarming, folks, that we have a God who wants this relationship, who wants to get messages to us. And, and, and if you follow the gods of other Eastern religions or world religions, you find them standing aloof from their quote-unquote creation. But the one true God, the one true creator, God the Son, wants a relationship with us and wants to get this message to us. Now, question might be, if Christ could already take on flesh or take on the form of a man or a human being, why the virgin birth and why the incarnation and why the the cradle in Bethlehem and 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 why that whole process there why did he go through that why didn't he just show up and and be the savior of the world well he had to fulfill prophecies we understand that uh, he would be born of the seed of a woman we're told way back in Genesis 3 he would be uh, born of a virgin we find that in Isaiah 7 and so on so he had to fulfill the prophecies but also he became a a human being from the very beginning so that he could sympathize with us in every way. Bible says he was in all points tempted like as we are. Of course, the major reason is he came to save us from our sin as a human being. It's not possible that the blood of animals should take away sin, right? So Christ had to take on human form to shed divine blood as the God-man. Now, there's no more 
appearances of the angel of the Lord in the New Testament, although there is the mention of angel of the Lord uh, doing things like an- announcing the birth of Christ and, and uh, smiting Herod and uh, speaking to Philip and such, but there's no more appearances of the angel of the Lord as Jesus Christ in the New Testament. It just stands to reason. He represents himself now in the New Testament, and, and sometimes he shows up in the form of a vision, uh, we find in Acts chapter eighteen nine, he said to Paul, In the night, by a vision, be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. Sometimes he would come in person, and uh, at a time when I think Paul was discouraged for a good reason, in Acts twenty three eleven, it says, In the night following, the Lord stood by him, and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Here's Christ showing up after he'd ascended up into heaven. And Paul made this statement in 1 Corinthians 9.1. He said, am, not, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ, our Lord? I don't think it was during his earthly ministry. I think he's referring to after that. And we find that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.8 of Christ, he says, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born or born again, if you will, out of due time. He was kind of a Johnny-come-lately, and, and uh, he wasn't there when Christ was fulfilling his ministry. But it's John the Apostle, actually, that gets the last vision of Christ in the Revelation, and then there's no more visions. There are, those, there are countless stories of people who claim they've seen Jesus, and they have not. You will not see Jesus in this day and age. When the Bible was complete, according to 1 Corinthians 13, It says all that stuff was done away with, and now we live by faith. In fact, we read in Romans 1.17 and 10.17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. And how do we get faith? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we live in a day now, folks, when God is audibly silent. And, and that's by design. And the visions, the theophanies, the Christophanies are on hold. But if you want some big time signs and wonders, just wait till the tribulation period. We won't be there, thank God for that. We'll be gone. But you're going to see all that stuff take place once again. So we find here that Jesus Christ is the manifestation of the Godhead bodily. It's Jesus Christ who says, uh, before Abraham was, I am. We find he is the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord many times. And, And we can glean from that a few quick things in closing. We find that when Christ shows up to Moses at the the burning bush, it's a call to service, right? It's a call to service. God is calling us to service at this time in history. Let's not miss that call. We see, secondly, as Christ shows up to wrestle with Jacob, Jacob prevails in prayer with God and gets something from God, and we need to prevail in prayer as well. We see, thirdly, that Jesus shows up to warn Balaam. You're taking the wrong course. You're going the wrong way. And in the same way, we have a God that cares enough about us to say, hey, you sure you want to do this? We also find that Jesus shows up to Joshua as the captain of the Lord's host. We need a captain. He's the captain of our salvation, by the way, and I thank God for that. But he's the captain after our salvation as well. We find that Jesus shows up also in some very thoughtful treatment of Elijah when Elijah is down in the dumps. We have a Savior that will do that for us as well. Thank God for that. 
And finally, we find Christ showing up to be the protector of Daniel in the book of Daniel and the protector of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we have a Savior, a God who protects us, who protects us. You know, I thank God that uh, he put these Christophanies in the Bible so that we could know our Savior and, and make him a little bit bigger uh, to all of us. And as you're reading your Bible in the months to come, Look for this angel of the Lord and and spot him back there before Bethlehem in the Old Testament. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.